Welcome to the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Cruz, and I'm excited to announce that we are having another interview today with another member of Master Shopkeepers. And today it's April of Pink and Frillos, who also has another business that will officially, I guess, open in a couple months. So we'll talk about that. But I just want to say welcome to April. April, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. I feel like you're definitely a founding member of Master <laughs> Shopkeepers. <laughs> I don't want to make you sound old or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you've been in the group over a year and you're still with us and I love it. And I love how much you, your business has grown and now businesses. So t I would love to hear a little bit about how Pink and Frillo started, and then we can go into the other business. So I'm gonna have you start there and just tell us a little bit about your journey into shopkeeping. Sure, so um, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it short. I have been, had been a stay-home mom my most of my kids' lives. They're now 18 and 15. And during that time, I kind of lost track of who I was. Um, I think it happens to a lot of people. There was a time before my kids were born that I had a little jewelry making business and I did pop-up shops and I sewed and I had all these things I like to do, but it all got pushed to the side when I had my kids. And as they got a little older, we were renovating our basement and my husband said, would you like one of these rooms to be a craft room and you could start making things again? And I was like, well, okay, whatever. Um, so I did and I started painting and I started sewing and all of a sudden the creative side of me just lit up and um, I felt like myself again and I hadn't for a long time. Um, I started painting furniture and doing that kind of stuff and people started asking if they could buy the stuff I was making. So of course I made more and I took over the basement and then I took over the garage and it was really annoying my husband to no end that I was taking over all of his spaces. So about that time, a building very close to my house came up for sale and my husband said, let's buy it and you can make it your workshop and open a little pop-up shop and it'll be fun and you can get all your crap out of the house, basically. <laughs> so, so we bought it, it's 1900 square feet. It's about a quarter of a mile from my house in a terrible retail location. Um, there was a pot bus down the street. There's no other shopping in the area. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, so on paper, it would be a terrible place to open a store. Um, but I opened without having any retail experience. I'd never worked in a store. I'd never done any of this stuff, um, but I was brave and, and dumb, I guess. I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So um, I was gonna be open. Um, a couple days a week and I'd go thrifting and flea marketing and flip furniture and sell it. Um, and I quickly learned that that was exhausting and I could not sustain um, doing that. I'm quite a perfectionist and um, working on a piece of furniture, I would spend hours and hours and hours to make it perfect and be stressed out about it. And I just couldn't keep up. So I started bringing in wholesale items and um, cute, stuff that I could just sell. And I realized that was much more in my wheelhouse um, than trying to do everything myself. So the shop grew. Um, I started bringing in more lines and phasing out some of the flea market stuff. 
um, and we opened more days and now we're open five days a week um, and it's been over four years and the, the store now we've expanded to um, home decor gifts and now apparel as well um, and yeah it's it's been great I've loved seeing it evolve and of course off of everything you just said I have I have questions and I have comments. The first thing I want to comment about is it's interesting that so far I interviewed Taylor and Karen and you, and then of course there's my own business. How all of our businesses started was painting furniture. Yeah. And that's just a coincidence in terms of like these interviews. Um, but I will say that everyone's business has gone a different direction. So Taylor's is more creative workshops with a retail gift area Karen's is a lifestyle store, um, but she continues to do painted furniture. And then yours is more like a little bit of a lifestyle gift shop. And yeah, then, I would say so. And a little bit of vintage and thrift thrown in when I find really great pieces, but I yeah. don't do a lot of painting anymore. So it's just interesting how we can all start with one thing and then it evolves and it usually evolves uh, based on what our customers want. And I think that was an aha moment for my sister and I, when we opened our store and we brought in the home decor accessories, the new stuff, thinking that, I mean, our name is the salvage boutique, thinking that most of everything we would have in the store would be salvaged or vintage. And now it's not because our customers were asking for something else and they loved the other things that we were bringing in. So that's just, just want to, for anyone who's listening, who starts in one direction and starts to change and is struggling with that, don't struggle with it, like embrace it and go with it. And I think for me, I was looking around the landscape, even though I'm not in a shopping area, the stores that my customers also go to, there are some fantastic vintage shops that find amazing things. And there are some fantastic furniture painters in the region that I'm in. And I was thinking, you know what, I can't do what they can do. I can't do it as well as they can do it. And I don't have the time or the resources to thrift as much as they do. Mm -hmm. um, so why am I trying to compete with something that's really not flowing for me? Um, but I'm really good at shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I always love when you say that. <laughs> so if I can run my store, you know, with the thing that I'm really good at, which is picking out cute, bright, cheery, uh, merchandise to bring in that I can get really excited about. That's, you know, that's something that works well for me. And people do, you know, miss some of the thrifted things that I find. Um, so I'm trying to remember to go out and do that um, as, when I can, but it's, it's not something that I can keep up with. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing too, is when you're struggling so much to keep up with something, but something else is working and it's not as much of a struggle. Like we have to be smart about how we're yeah. using our time it's and just, not, not working, you know, 80 hours a week, which is what I talk about all the time. Yeah. Um, work smarter, not harder. Right. Yeah. You gotta kind of get into like, if you're in a river, you want to get into that little channel of the water that's flowing, not in the part that you have to really like paddle like crazy to get. Yes. Some I love that because paddling can be exhausting and yeah, and you can float. <laughs> floating is way better. Oh way yeah, cocktail while you're floating. <laughs> Give me that tube so I can just float down the river. Exactly. Not um, to say that you're not going to hit bumps on the way, but right, right. 
so the other thing that I wanted to mention, you're a really good example of someone who opened up a retail business in what someone would say was a really bad location. I even think that's yeah. the word you used in like the mo not the most ideal place. And you are always a really good example um, in both groups when we have conversations about this, that it is possible to have a successful business in a location that isn't ideal. When people say location, 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 like I, I get it, I understand that. But I also feel like you can build a brand and a business and connect with customers in a way that they will come to you. And it's sort of, um, what my sister and I did, we started a, our business, our brick and mortar business in the not most ideal location in the city that we're in. It's starting to build up now, but rent was super affordable. We had to DIY the, the place and it was less risk for us, but we definitely had to bring people in. And I love that you are a really good example of that too. How do you think you did that? What are some things that you did to get people to come to you? Yeah, it's, um, I say like my town is not an ideal shopping town and where I'm at is even farther away from the ideal part of town. It's, it's just bad. If anybody looked at it, they would say, don't even remotely start a shop there. Um, but when I first, like I mentioned, I started painting in the basement and doing that stuff. I started making videos before I ever even had an idea that I was going to have a shop. Um, so I started videoing my painting. I started just being goofball on videos and um, continued to do that. And I've gotten away from it a little bit just with everything that's going on right now. But um, so I was doing videos regularly on Facebook um, and people started following them and they liked it and they, um, they started following. So they would seek out my store and without social media. And I say Facebook first because I didn't really understand Instagram when I started. I kept asking my kids like, what's a hashtag? And I don't get it. Like, why is there a hashtag? Um, but I've picked up on how to do it now. Um, but Facebook was 100% how I started. And um, I would say, you know, if I had opened my store 10 years ago in that location, there's no way there's no one would have ever found me. But I would say, you know, the majority of the people that come to my store are driving a half an hour, 40 minutes. You know, I have people that follow me from the Detroit area and that's a two hour drive. And when they come up to their cottage, that's one thing we do have going for us is there are quite a few little lakes with cottages. Um, so we get some vacation traffic that just happens to drive by my store. And on a rainy day, they will come in and shop and it's part of their vacation. And then they go tell all their friends about this great gem they found in the middle of nowhere um, that, that they have fallen in love with and then their friends drive up. So I would say the when you think about Facebook or even Instagram, people need to see you. They need to fall in love with you and your personality. And um, that sounds really boastful of me to say, but but it's true. Um, if you're running a Facebook page and an Instagram page, and I see it all the time when I'm looking for a business to go to, I pull them up on Facebook or Instagram and I can't find who they are. And then I quite often will scroll on by and find somebody else because I want to know who the person is behind the business. And um, I have people, which is still astounding to me, but people will come into my store for the first time if I'm working and they'll kind of look at me and like, oh, I, I know you, you know, like they get all weird about it. Like, because they, they know about my kids, they know that my son had a soccer game or they know that, um, 
there was some idiot, you know, that I talked about that was driving down the road with a weird bumper sticker and I just made a video about it or whatever. And they kind of like, Oh, I remember when you did that. And they feel like we're friends. And if they feel like they're friends with you, they will drive out of their way to come to your store. Um, and I cannot stress that enough. If, if someone listening is not putting their face on their Facebook or their Instagram, just do it. Don't be afraid of that. And I'm not necessarily talking about live sales because I don't really do that yet, but um, just quick, regular, consistent um, interactions with your face and your story. And there are times when I am crying on the video, um, especially the last four months, you know, have been extremely emotional. Um, but people can relate to that and they care about you. And when they care about you, they will come out and shop even in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> it's such, it's such a, I mean, that's, this is one of the favorite points that have been made so far in this interview series um, is about videos and putting your face out there and not being afraid to do it and just being real. It's the whole no like and trust factor. Mm -hmm. And when you're out there and you're vulnerable and of course, you know, you don't want to, um, you know, expose everything about your life and no, no. one's saying that you have to, but get people to know you. And, and that was the the point I was hoping you would make about this is that you put yourself out there, you put yourself on video. And I will say, so it's pink and frillos, pink like the color, frillos is F-R-I-L-L-O-S. If any of you have wanted to get into just doing videos, not even Facebook Live sales, which is another big driving revenue um, stream for people right now because of COVID, but if you've just wanted to do video and get yourself in front of people, go look at April's Instagram or Facebook feed, like go look at her videos. She is with, without a doubt, one of the people that everyone says you should go watch. She's yeah. charming. I'm saying it like you're not even here. <laughs> you're charming. Go on, go on. It's fine. <laughs> you're charming. You're funny. You're genuine. You're real. And it, it was hands down one of the reasons I started following your videos oh. and following you on social media too. But I love that you mentioned that it's a great way to connect with people. And once they get to know you and they like you, they're going to travel to come see you. They're going to go, you know, they're going to visit your store. So it's such a and great I, point. It still, it still surprises me. You know, it's like when people walk in and say they've watched videos or I'll be out, some, you know, in Grand Rapids, which is like 45 minutes away and people will be like, Hey, I know you, you're the girl. I'm like, what the heck? Like what must celebrities feel like? Like I'm not even one. And it's like, Ooh, this is fun. You know, what's funny with me is my sister hides from the camera and I'm the fool that goes in front of the camera and I'll mess things up and I'll say things wrong and I'll call it to a tobacco basket, a Tabasco basket. <laughs> and she runs from the video, but of course I share pictures of her. And the funniest thing is that people recognize her everywhere. She probably goes, she goes shopping way more than I do too. But at thrift stores and other market events, people stop her and say, I know you, I know you from your store. So it's just kind of funny. So just to give people an idea, your pink and frillo store, how, how many square feet is that? 1900. Okay. And you, you have, it's a freestanding building with a parking lot, right? It is. It's, it's on one acre of land. Okay. Um, 
and I we bought it outright so I don't have to pay rent or anything like that which is great and we've actually one of the great things in our crazy location that we started doing was a fall market where I would bring makers out and use my property um, to set up a little craft show and that has been like that's a huge selling day people come sometimes say like well is everybody shopping outside no people are like there's a line through my store on market days um, and it's hands down the hugest day of my entire year. So hosting events would be the other thing. If you're in a bad location, you know, do pop-up events, do markets, do anything that you can do, um, preferably serve alcohol because <laughs> if women are <laughs> having a drink, then they're going to buy more. But, you know, anything you can do to make a party, um, will bring people to your store. So that's been another big thing that we were able to do. Now, for sure, I can tell already, we're going to go over our standard 20-minute episode. But <laughs> I want to shift because uh, it's really important to talk about the next, um, the, I guess, the next step of your journey is you and your husband bought a farm property at an auction. And now that's becoming like, it's not even Pink and Frillo's part point two. It is way beyond that. So can you tell me about <laughs> uh, um, the next step for you guys? Because it's yeah. been amazing to watch. It's crazy. Um, it, and the short story is we woke up one day not owning an orchard. And by the end of the day, we had bought a 120 acre orchard farm. Um, we had never even discussed it before that day. So that's a whole story in itself. But and what's uh, the name of that really quickly? Before that is called, it's Fruchthaven Farm. So, um, which is a Danish-ish kind of word meaning fruit garden. Um, our heritage is Danish and our entire community is kind of a Danish settlement town. Um, so we wanted to embrace that feeling and huga is a Danish word for cozy. Um, and we wanted to embrace that and everything that we do on the farm to make it a, a cozy gathering space. So the short story is there's about a hundred acres of apple trees that we are currently farming, which we had never done before. Um, so it's a commercial apple orchard. Uh, we have pumpkins and sweet corn this year. We have, or will have, two um, wedding barns. So they're about 100-year-old barns on the property that are being renovated into wedding space or event space. We have some grain bins near one of the barns, and those are, we've poured patio space around those, so you could have a reception around the grain bins. Um, we've got a coffee shop which is beautiful. And that we set a date to open August 18th. So that's just about ready to open. Um, and then there'll be a fresh market attached to that and a tavern if everything goes well. Um, there's one building there that's 15,000 square feet. So that will be the tavern, the market and the coffee shop. Um, and then I'll be moving my shop over there this fall as well. Um, there's a a dome on the property that was used for indoor soccer and football, which is hideous. I don't know what we're going to do with that yet, but <laughs> attached to that is a really cute-ish kind of building. Um, and I think it's some almost 3,000 square feet. Um, so I'm going to move my shop over there this fall, and then we're going to bring in a flower shop as well um, so that if weddings are happening on property, we can provide all the florals for the weddings. Okay, I'm just going to stop you because for anyone who has like a thousand, two thousand square 
foot store and that sometimes overwhelms us. I mean, if you caught what April just said, she just, she went from a gift shop, lifestyle shop to a, a farm, weddings and events. I wrote it all down. Donut <laughs> shop, coffee yeah, shop, yeah. fresh market, tavern, and a dome that I can only envision what you guys will do with. It's, it's amazing. And every time I talk to you, April, you, you're just kind of chill about it. <laughs> it, it. Like it overwhelms me. Like I feel the heaviness in my chest. It's just, it's amazing. And again, can you spell the name of the? the yeah. Property? Yeah. It's a tricky word. Um, okay. So it's F R U G T H A V E N Fruchthaven. So kind of like fruit haven, but you put a little G kind of sound in there. And if you're listening, please follow that on Instagram too, because it's, it's amazing watching the journey and watching each building or even the farm itself turn into what it's become. Like you just, you guys just had the sign installed on the main. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. The coffee shop is amazing. Can I also tease out what you and I have talked oh, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So just for anyone listening, I have always dreamed since I started Savvy Shopkeeper of having some type of retreat or conference and it's going to happen and it's going to happen at April's farm. So I'm, and I say farm, is that the right term? Yeah, we call it a farm. I mean, okay. it's but yeah, we call it a farm and we want to keep the idea that it is, I mean, we have tractors and we have stuff that's happening and it's farming and, um, you know, it, it is a farm. <laughs> so I'm really excited. I, we're going to tease that out today. I think that's yes. the first time we've shared that as soon as all this COVID stuff passes yeah. and I know we yeah. can maybe schedule this event. I would love to say, and I, I'm hopeful that maybe sometime in 2021, but um, when I first started talking about it and then April, you, when you threw it out and said like, maybe we can do something here. I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we have a few minutes that I just want to talk about since you've joined Master Shopkeepers. Actually, what made you join Master Shopkeepers? I know it's probably been like a year and a half, but what made you join at the time? Gosh, I'm trying to think when you told me you were going to ask that. So I was part of Savvy Shopkeepers and I'm not entirely sure how I found Savvy Shopkeepers. I think, you know, a couple of years ago, I was just hungry to learn anything I could. You know, when you have no experience in retail, you, if you're going to be good at it, you're going to learn stuff. So somehow I found Savvy Shopkeepers and then you announced that you were going to start Master Shopkeepers. And I'm like, dude, I'm totally doing that. So... <laughs> Um, but I think it, it was a no brainer for me just to have that next level of, um, availability to training and camaraderie with other people who want to really take the next level and be the absolute best shop they can be. Um, I am a little bit competitive, so I want to be the best one. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, you've got to get in a group with like-minded people so that you can level up and be encouraged. Um, I would say, you know, lately, because I have so much on my plate, I haven't gotten involved as much as I used to. And that's on me because I just, I have to take some things off my plate. But what I really, really love about Master Shopkeepers is those times when we can get together on a Zoom call and just commiserate or celebrate or um, share information. Or if I run into a snag, I can throw it out there and there'll be 20 ideas before the end of the day. Um, and just learning things that I hadn't learned before. And Kathy, you know, you bring in so many great experts to train and you give of your own knowledge. And I think 
having that as a resource, I've been a part of a lot of different groups and I'm really pairing those all back because you can, you can get into the point where you just, you're, you're only learning and you're not doing, you know, and there are so many people who want to tell you how to do things. And then I start to think, geez, I don't think they even know what they're talking about, you know? So I've eliminated a lot of the sort of educational groups that I was in, but this is one that I won't eliminate because it's people who are really doing their jobs, who are in the real life, and then the access to you um, and your willingness to seek out experts and bring those to us for, I mean, a really, really affordable amount of money, you can get access to some really top level training and information. And I think that's, that's invaluable. And the other thing um, that I love and I can't wait to do more of is getting together in person. So when you guys came up to my area for a training and we got to just hang out. Like, I sound like a lush, but when we went out for drinks and like <laughs> I mentioned cocktails like 20 times already, but you know, just getting to know people in real life because owning a shop is hard. And, and this year it's twice as hard or more than that. Um, and having people that you can just laugh with that aren't necessarily your next door competitor. Um, so that if you're going through something hard, you feel um, comfortable just letting that out where you might not want to share that with a shop owner next door. Um, I think that's probably invaluable to me. Karen mentioned that too. And, and I appreciate that. I also appreciate that. Uh, I think there were 20 some founding members when I first started this and it's never been about the number to me. It's never been about growing this group to a thousand people. It's been more about making sure that um, the people that come in are, you know, kind and genuine, respectful, and, and genuinely want to improve um, being a business owner, improve their businesses. And that's what I love about it. And I love that most of you are still in the group, even a year and a half later. And thank you for everything that you said. I really appreciate it. Um, but I do, especially once COVID hit, I started, instead of doing a monthly group call, I started offering weekly group calls because you know, that fog that came over all of us was really overwhelming, even for me. And I think everyone really appreciated that we could get in front of each other once a week. And not everyone can show up. And I get it. Um, we've cried together. We've laughed together. We've like been in tears laughing together. And we are all there for each other. And I, as a shopkeeper myself, appreciate that. Even though I lead the group, I appreciate it too, because I'm still running the business. So thank you for everything that you said. Thank you for being. You're very good at what you do with this group. Uh, thank um, you. It was, I, think <laughs> I promise was, I didn't pay April to say that. <laughs> no, there was a time when I was, before I found the group where I was like, I should get a group of shopkeepers together and we should, you know, and I had that idea to do it, but I sucked at it. it we tried it and it was awful. And um, then I was like, why am I doing this when someone else is doing it so well? And so it was so great to see you take this on and, and be that thing that I had been looking for, um, but certainly couldn't accomplish by myself. So, okay. So thank you. Really yeah. like genuinely. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> um, I really appreciate it. So I think I, I've been kind of finishing off. Well, what's the one thing that you love about shopkeeping? Oh, um, <laughs> that was a big sigh. <laughs> that was a big sigh. I didn't mean for it to be. I, when I first started, I remember on the days that I would open the shop, I would tell my husband, like we go, we're going to bed and I'd be like, Ooh, I get to play shop tomorrow um, or play store tomorrow. And it was like, this is, um, 
like there are so many people who would want to do what we get to do and who would think, oh, wouldn't that be fun? And we get to do it. I get to go in and at my, on my best days, I get to go in and just rearrange product and set it up and um, pick out the cutest things to bring into my store. And those are the things that I love to do. I like to curate the space. I like to feel pretty. I like people to get excited when they see it. Um, and that's what gets me excited. You know, paperwork and all that stuff bogs me down. And I'm very fortunate now that we've got a good system where my husband handles most of it. Um, and that's taken a huge pressure off of me. Um, but yeah, just when, I, when I'm when i not super busy and running around doing 25 other things and I just get to go in and play store, I love, that's my favorite thing. And you do, and you do that so well. And I, I love the way you convey how joyous shopkeeping can be. <laughs> like, especially if you focus on what your strengths are and delegate the rest. And I think yeah. that's something that you personally have focused on or, or worked on over the past year, I feel like is I'm going to hand off all those things that I don't love or that frustrate me or that annoy me. And I'm going to focus on what I'm really good at. And it that's shows, amazing. it shows in pink and frillos and it shows in the farm. When I first started, I had so many women come in who would be like, Oh, this would be my dream. This would be my dream, but I have a job, but I have, you know, other things. Oh, I could never do it. And it was, impressed on me even in the first year of my store that I get to do something that very few people get to do and I haven't forgotten that because I'm very fortunate that I got to do it and um, I always want to remember that and kind of like I'm doing it for all the women who couldn't do it you know like <laughs> I felt I don't know if that sounds stupid but like I want to keep that sense of April, even in the hard times, you're doing something that a lot of people would, would really, really love to be able to do. And if I can keep remembering that, then um, that, that reminds me to make sure it's just a joyful space. And that just gave me goosebumps. It is. You make it sound so delightful. And that's why we do what we do. We want our lives and we want our stores to be delightful. Like that's the best word I can think of when you were saying what you were saying. It's just delightful. You know? I will caveat that too by saying it's been a hell of a year. And even before COVID hit, I was going through some just really heavy emotions and stressors. And I don't want to leave the interviews, you know, with people saying like, oh, April's all sunshine and roses. Cause I think I sometimes come off as that, but it's been a dark for me, you know, a dark six months to nine months of life. And, um, and so I just, you know, in all reality and, and openness, like it's not all sunshines and rainbows. It's hard and life is tricky sometimes. And so, you know, in all of that, there are dips and, and valleys as well. So yeah, just, what, it hasn't been like lately, especially it's been kind of hard for me. So. Without a doubt, it's, it's a great point, but it's also good to sometimes remember why it brings us joy and why yeah. we started what we're doing. So I'd love to, with that, let's wrap up with, yeah. What is your vision? I mean, I kind of know everything that you have in progress right now, but what's your vision overall? I mean, obviously to bring Pink and Frillo's into the rest of the property and to build that up, but where, you know, where do you see all of that in five or 10 years? I, you know, I believe it's going to be a destination location. Um, 
we, you know, we're doing things our own way. My husband and I, he recently sold his company and is able to do this farm thing full time. And um, we want to create a space that people just want to come hang out at. Um, we're designing each space with people in mind. Like, how are they going to use this space? How are they going to hang out with their friends or their family? Um, are, you know, <laughs> Tonight, we're going to, we haven't had a date night in a hundred years, but we're going to pack a picnic and go out into the orchard because yeah. that was one of the things that we've been always saying, like, oh, people could get some wine or coffee and go out into the orchard. And have, I'm like, honey, we've owned this property for a year and we have never taken a picnic in the orchard and maybe we should do it. So uh, we're going to pack a picnic and a bottle of wine and go sit on a blanket in the apple trees tonight and try to experience what, you know, we would want other people to be able to do on the space. Um, I think it's going to put our little town on the map if we do it right. And I think we're trying to remember to do it in a way that fits us um, and in a way that nobody else has done before. That's going to kind of knock people's socks off. Well, that's the perfect way to wrap this up because you, again, gave me goosebumps. I, I just, I, you know, I adore you. Um, I think you're so sweet, so kind. You've been supportive of me on this journey. Um, I consider you a friend. And I just love the way you wrap that up because it just really conveys how much like heart and effort you put into your own business. So thank you, April. I really, really appreciate you um, coming on early this morning, although people don't know it's early this morning and doing the interview. And now I have to rush and get to my store so I can open it on time. <laughs> thank you, April. Oh, hey, one more thing. Where can everyone find you? I know we... Yeah, uh, it's at Pink and Furloughs, P-I-N-K-A-N-D-F-R-I-L-L-O-S on Instagram or Facebook. And then good old Fruktaven Farm on the same Instagram or Facebook. Um, you can just follow along with all the stuff we're doing. So thank you. Yeah, it, she won't disappoint. Make sure you follow her on both. <laughs> oh, right, geez, April. pressure. <laughs> thank you. Have a You're great welcome. day. I'll see you later. Okay. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.